Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, where the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. So I want to share with you a little bit because we're, uh, we're in the book of Philippians. Say Philippians. Thank you. Zach did a great job while I was away talking about relationships and how many got some fixes on your relationships, got healed, got some things worked out. It's been fun. It's been good, hasn't it? Paving the way. Pave. Pave was last week. Paving the way. So we're going to jump into Philippians again. We're in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to read with us. Number E5M2, nursery room. Philippians chapter 4. Everybody there? If you're not there, you can look at the screen. But here it is. It says, I implore. I implore. How many think implore is a pretty strong word? I implore. Here's Paul. He's in prison. This is one of the prison epistles written to a church that he loves. Not written with doctrinal things and stuff like that, but written talking affectionately to a people that he really cares about and loves. And he's encouraging them in the relationship. He's saying, guys, continue. Continue in your relationships. Serve each other. Let the attitude of Christ be in you. Let your heart towards each other be one of humility and servanthood. And so he said, I implore Eodia. I, I call it odious. And, and folks, we are going to talk about a couple of sisters that had a problem. But all over the Bible, there were some guys who caused a lot of grief too, amen? So this isn't about the sisters. This is just about a couple people who happen to be sisters having a problem. But Paul's all the way in Rome, and somebody's visiting him in Rome and going, oh, by the way, Paul, you know you know those two sisters that worked with us and helped us with the ministry? You remember Yodia and Syntyche? They, ah, they're having it out, man. They're just... <laughs> It's bad. I don't know. And then the, this guy's talking about Eodia and Syntyche. He's talking about two ladies in the church in Philippi. And he's talking to Paul in Rome in jail. And he's saying, by the way, I got to tell you, these, it's crazy town. What's going on with these ladies? And Paul's like, dude. And he wrote back. And he said, hey, I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, there's two technical terms that Paul writes with. One is in Christ, or in the Lord Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. It's a technical term you should never mess with. Don't translate it any other way, because it, it talks about behavioral and positional truth, and it talks about the reality of who you are in Christ Jesus. And it's your point of beginning. It's, it's where you are. It's the finished work of Christ manifest in your life. But then he uses another phrase often, in the Lord. And in the Lord, whenever he's talking about in the Lord, he's talking about now, because you are in Christ, here's what you can do in the Lord. And when he's talking about in the Lord, he's saying, now submit to the Lordship of Christ in your life. And you can do it because he said, let this mind be you which is in Christ Jesus because that's the mind that you have. And you can let that happen because it is a gift. It is an impartation to you. So the reason I can implore you to have that mind in you is because it's been granted to you as a gift, as a participation in the nature of Christ. But he then says in the Lord, and he's talking about you, your conduct. It's messed up. And I want you to submit now in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I implore you to let the mind of the Lord be in you. And I urge you also, my true companion. You know, it, it could have been Epaphrodites or, or who was working with the letter and, and Timothy who had come to him. He said, I urge you, my true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, also with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Boom. Rejoice in the Lord always. 
completely tied in the context of this discussion. He attaches rejoice in the Lord always to an instruction to let's overcome a bit of strife going on. And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to rejoice. All right, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Let, oh, you know what? I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And... The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Tell me, what kind of peace surpasses understanding? Has anybody had peace that you can understand? Have you ever had peace that you got peace because of a circumstance and that brought you peace? You know, you, your, your mom was sending you money and you were worried, was it going to show up? And then suddenly you check your bank account, it showed up. Oh, thank you, it showed up. Like that's, that's some natural peace, you know what I mean? You, you, you love somebody and you didn't know where they were and they were supposed to be there at three and it's four, you don't know where they are and then suddenly they show up and you go, oh, you're here. Oh, peace. Well, that's pretty natural. That happens because of a circumstance or something. But he's saying when you do these things, it says there is a peace that's supernatural. There's a peace that's out of this world. There's a peace that's way beyond understanding. You're going to go, I don't even understand it right now, but I have total peace. I don't know why, because there's no reason for this. There's nothing tangible around me that should grant me this level of peace. But I thank you for the supernatural peace of God that guards my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. A little quote from Jason Morantz, an artist, a writer. He said, transformation is my favorite game. He said, in my experience, anger and frustration are the result of you not being authentic somewhere in your life. And a lot of what Zach shared in the last couple of weeks, we're talking about authenticity, talking about your expectations, talking about all these things. He says, he says, these things are because you're not being authentic somewhere in your own life or with someone in your life. Being fake about anything creates a block inside of you. Life can't work for you if you don't show up as you. You have to be present. You have to be authentic. You've got to be, I forget the V word, vulnerable. Yeah, you got to be vulnerable. If you don't be vulnerable, it means you can't be you. It means you guarded because I can't be me with these people. You're unwilling to be vulnerable. This means you're not real, right? And then you got to manage expectations. I just thought it was such a great quote that kind of lays all those things out. So frustration rises when you made an investment and your return does not meet your expectation. Unresolved disappointment, you can react and go, ah, and get mad at everybody. You can repress it, push it down. You can medicate it with something, with drug, drugs or alcohol or binging on Netflix or some crazy thing because you just won't deal with your issues. You know, or uh, you can motivate it. You know, I'm just going to go to work. I'm going to lose myself in something. I'm going to jog until my brains fall out. People, some people motivate their anxieties. Then some people meditate on them and just get depressed and get ugly. Don't do that. You should respond. And that's what Paul said. We got two ladies having a difficulty. I implore you, come on, get the mind of the Lord on this. Let's get healing. Let's get health in that relationship. So factions happen. Tough things happen in community and in relationships. Can I get an amen for that one? All right. So we're here today to make your factions function. Can you say make my factions function? Because you know what? If you, if you process your factions properly, you can actually move into another realm, another level, and you can really experience God's healing and touch in that. So how many say, I would like to make my factions function? The rest of you can go for lunch, but uh, we're going to talk about making your factions function. Just a couple observations right here from the New Testament, the family of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 3, for you are all still carnal. Here's Paul writing to Corinth. He's saying, wow, you guys, Ray starts the thing off by saying to the saints in Corinth, to the holy ones. And then later on, he's going, man, you know, I, I wish I could talk to you like mature brothers and sisters, but I, I got to talk to you. You're all carnal. And why are you carnal? Why? For 
where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? He says, you got supernatural ability. You got partnership and anointing of the Holy Ghost. You are, you are a living, breathing demonstration of heaven. You got divine nature, and yet you're acting like mere men. You're not living out of the privileges you have in Christ Jesus. So he says, I got to talk to you like you're carnal. And, and what is carnality? Carnality is divisions and strife. The enemy's not terribly creative, and he doesn't have to be. Because the way you wreck churches, the way you wreck communities, the way you wreck families is strife and division. And, you know, it's been working for millions of years, so he just, you know, let's keep on doing it, right? So that's what he does. So, and when that's there, the Apostle Paul said, it's a manifestation that we're not leaning into the Spirit, we're acting carnal. Romans 16, 17, he said, now I urge you, brethren, I urge you, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. So from this day on, we're going to put it in the bulletin. When everybody acts silly, we're going to put your name in the bulletin, and if you keep on doing it, we're going to avoid you. Because we're going to be biblical. And these ladies, they were mentioned forever. Their names are forever in holy writ that they had an issue. But thank God they worked it out. So if you're causing trouble, we're just going to call you out because the Bible says note them. All right? So we're going to give you a note and we're going to write a note. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I saw somebody freaking out there for a minute. You know? You'd have to see my name in there almost every week. And I don't need that. Right? Thank God. How many forgive me? I sprayed a bunch of people with water last night. I'm so sorry. Wayne made me do it. You forgive me? Thank you. It wasn't my fault. Who was the lady who started squirting me? Who was that? She started it. See that? Blame shifting again. I went to the university of blame shifting. All right. Here's another verse. Look at this. Warn a divisive person once. Warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Wowzers. And that's Paul, the guy full of grace, full of love. Hey, everybody get along in the mind of Christ and humble yourself under each other. But he's straight up going, my strife's no good. We don't want strife. You know, Titus, he did go to Crete, and it says in Crete they are uh, evil brutes, lazy gluttons, and they're always liars. That's how we describe the congregation. So I guess, Titus, it was tough, right? Pastor, we want you to go pastor in this new city, and here's your congregation. They are lazy gluttons. <laughs> evil brutes, and all they do is lie. Oh, can't wait to get there. <laughs> I'll show you a little picture. You ready? Right here, boom. That's how many play soccer? You play soccer? How many like to still call it football? But in football, you know, if, if you're nasty and you, you don't play right, they'll give you a yellow card, and that means stop it. Hey, I'm going to write you up. But, you know, if he's got to pull the red card, see, so he tucks the yellow, he says, whoop, whoop. if he pulls the red, that means you're out of the game. So we're going to hand out yellow cards we're going to be a little better than, you know, them. Here, you're going to get two yellow cards before you get a red. Okay. So. How many already have a yellow card? Just all eyes closed, heads bowed. You got a yellow card. You... I'm this close to a red, I think. But, I mean, that's what they do there. But, you know, here's Paul saying, you know, have nothing to do with them. It's pretty rough. But what we're seeing in the Word of God is that we just, you know, whenever there's strife, we got to confront it, we got to deal with it, we got to work stuff out, right? So here's some examples. Here, real quick, right out of this passage. Number one, you know, when there's difficulties in strife, it says engage one another. It says, I implore you, I implore you, Iodia and Syntyche, I call it odious and soon touchy. You know, you ever, you ever been that? Some, have you ever been? I've been like that. I've been soon touchy. You know, somebody looks at me funny and I'm just, sometimes I'm soon touchy and I got to get rid of that soon touchiness, Right? Hey, okay, you got you it. It says, I implore you, be of the same mind in the Lord. So, you know, don't, don't run away from a situation where you got a difficulty. Deal with it. 
I implore you, come on, work it out. Like, don't do it. it we want to win each other. We love each other. So make sure you engage a brother or sister if you're having a problem, all right? We encourage, encourage others, encourage one another. He said, I urge you also, get involved. Don't come up here to Rome and tell me about a problem. Get involved in it. These are people that we love. These are people a part of our team. I mean, don't, don't let that fester. Get engaged in the restoration of that situation. The next is enjoy each other. Let's get a little happy right now. Come on. Sometimes we all take ourselves a little too seriously. Oh, I got rights, you know. Remember the first sermon, let it go. Go low. Do more. And say he is low. That worked in, in Jamaica. So that's good. I had somebody, did I tell you, I had somebody write a song about that and send it to me that afternoon. They wrote a song. Did you want me to play it for you? I've got it on my phone. I'm not playing it right now, but it was really good. Go low, slow mo. It was kind of interesting. You could do lots of versions of it. But you know, you gotta, you gotta, but you know what? Rejoice in the Lord. I tell you, don't take yourself so seriously. Let it go. You know, the person in front of you is way more important to you than you being right about a situation. So we need to always make sure that that's important. We love each other, and we got to trust the Lord, right? we got to trust the Lord that he's leading, he's guiding, he's working. So you know what? Enjoy each other. And the next thing is refocus on one another. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Not your offense, but your gentleness. And why? Because the Lord's here. The Lord's present right now. He's with us. we got his joy. we got his life. And then release one another, because don't be anxious about it, but take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Release one another. Let your request, let things be going. Don't be anxious. Don't get frustrated about stuff. Let it go. Leave it to God. And then the result of that is supernatural peace come. All right. Now, I just want to go real quick to one of my favorite guys named Jephthah. Now, Jephthah is a guy who had a real offense, a real difficulty. So I want to show you real quick how you yourself can change a situation. You can turn a faction into a function and you can do something with your life. Are you ready? Now, I'm going to read this right here. It's in, uh, it's in Judges chapter 11, verse 1. Let me read it to you. You ready? Put up, put up your antenna, antenna and pay attention, all right? Pay attention. You just paid your tithe, so now I want you to pay attention. So, all right. Now, Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. He, was, he had a, this a rough start. He was the son of a harlot. He got brought into the family. He got brought into a family with brothers and sisters who were a part of the family. And he was someone who brought, brought home. And he wasn't from mom. He was from another activity. Do you follow me? All right. So when Gilead begot Jephthah, and Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out, and they said to him, you shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers, and he dwelt in Tob. Say dwelt. Say Tob. Dwelt. Tob. There you go. I think words are important. How about you? All right, so he went on purpose to a place and he dwelt. He didn't just pass through, he dwelt. He nailed himself down, dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah, and they went out raiding with him. It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah. Like they kicked him out, they ran him out of town, and now they're in trouble. And now, you know what? We need that Jephthah dude. Jephthah, who's that? You remember Jephthah? He was the son of that guy. They ran him out. I hear he's become awesome. I hear he's become an amazing commander, a leader, a warrior. We got to get that guy. 
So they went and got Jephthah, and they brought Jephthah back. And uh, uh, Jephthah then, when he said, the elders came, they said, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. And Jephthah said, just let's be real, okay, for a second. Let's be real. Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? I mean, why have you come to me now, and why are you in a distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, this is what we have turned again to you now. This is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go up with us against the people of Ammon and be the head over the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them, listen, if I'm going to go back with you, I want to tell you something, I'm going to be in charge. So I'm not just coming back. If I'm coming back and you want me to win these battles for you, I'm going to be the guy. Do you understand? And they're like, sounds good to us. And all the others said, let the Lord be witness between us. If you do not do according to your words, if we do not do according to your words, then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord at Mizpah. And through Jephthah, they actually defeated the Ammonites and, and they were set free because of Jephthah. Let me in this lovely little story just share with you some principles for how you can take a faction and make it function. Are you ready? You can use this right now. This is stuff that you can use today and it'll change your world. You ready? Here we go. Number one, here's a guy who had a tough start. Anybody had a tough start? Pastor, you don't understand. You grew up, you had a wonderful life. You're, you grew up, and I did. I grew up, I was wonderful. My dad said I was wonderful. I believed him. I really did. I had a wonderful complex because my dad just said, you're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I, I straight up, I've always believed my dad. And then my heavenly father said the same thing. So I said, these guys agree. And they had a massive influence on my life. So I always never really understood why people didn't think they were wonderful. I didn't understand because I thought everybody grew up with the same home I did and, and that everybody had to have their parents every day just say, you're wonderful and all around wonderful. And I, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor. My mom's dad was a pastor. So I'm third generation pastors. And uh, I've just always, I grew up with a flat head because I slept on pews and broke, you know, cut my teeth on a hymnal. And I thought everybody did that. And I really always grew up with a wonderful complex. But I found out a lot, some people had a tough start. Some people had a difficult start. And Jephthah had a difficult start. But Jephthah's name means to make a way for yourself. Jephthah's name means somebody makes a way. You know, sometimes you're going to have to make a way now. If you had a tough start, sometimes you've got to say, so what? I've got to let that go. Because right now I know God is for me. And I know that I can shift this whole thing if I lean into God. If I lean into my Heavenly Father and just bless and love everything that got me here and I just let it go. I know that God's going to do something great in my life. So he had a tough start. He was the son of a harlot. But number two, he was severely rejected too. Not only that, you know, his brothers and everything, when dad died and, and nobody there to kind of look out for him, they kicked him out, ran him out, said, you have no inheritance with us. Anybody been kicked out of something? Anybody felt kicked out? You ever felt rejected? You felt like people said, you're no good, you don't cut it, you don't make it. I got cut from the midget basketball team, and they said, you can't play on the A team, you got to go play with the B team. Man, that wounded me. But you know what I did? I became the best B-team player I could. And suddenly the coach from the A-team came and said, man, we've been hearing you're doing really good. And he called me up to the A-team. So you know what you do when you get knocked to the B-team? You'd be the best B-team person ever. And you know what? If you're an A player on a B-team, just play like an A player on a B-team. And you know what? You'll get moved to the A-team. A little bit of self-talk there. A little stuff. <laughs> yeah. You should have, an, you shouldn't, you're not going to have an error. So listen, look at this. Your pain often has its source in someone else's behavior. 
Has anybody ever been hard done by, been abused or misused, and you're feeling pain because somebody else, it's not right what they did to me, or it's not right what life did to you. Maybe circumstances, maybe stuff's happened in your life, and you're going like, I don't deserve that. I'm way better than that. And you can really get messed up when, when things don't go your way. Well, here was a person that had a tough start, and he was severely rejected. But look at number three. Number three. He had a wise response. Say wise. Wise response. He dwelt in Tob. So dwelt means you fix yourself. You nail yourself down, and you say, this is where I'm going to be. What does Tob mean? Tob means to be good, to be pleasing, to be joyful, to be beneficial, to be pleasant, to be favorable, to be happy, to be right. Look it up. I think it's amazing that when he got kicked out of there, he didn't deserve that. I didn't ask to be born from a harlot. I didn't ask for my brothers and sisters to hate me. I didn't ask for any of this. I was just born into it. And now look at this. What did he decide to do right away? He said, you know what? That stinks. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to it's all good. Say it's all good. He took himself to it's all good and he nailed himself there. When people said, oh, I hear you had a rough start. It's all good. Oh, I hear it. You got rejected. It's all good. You know, it, on the website, it says, what's Pastor Carl's favorite phrase? I forgot all about it, but my favorite phrase on our website, been there for years, says his favorite phrase is, it's all good. I've had somebody say to me, why do you say it's all good when it's not good? I said, I'm not agreeing with where it is right now. I'm prophesying to it that it has to change. Because whatever ain't good, I'm prophesying to it. It's all good. If this isn't lining up with my life, I speak to you in the name of Jesus. In my life, it's all good. I literally, I've been condemned to a life of victory. I've been condemned to a life of always on top, never below. And so I'm going to speak to the story. I'm not going to wallow in it. I'm not going to question it. I'm not going to go, uh, I'm going to take myself and I'm going to dwell in the place of I'm happy. I'm going to dwell in beneficial. I'm going to dwell in pleasing. I'm going to dwell in what is right. I'm going to dwell in what is pleasant. And I'm fixing myself here and I refuse to be moved. That's a testimony right there. I know people in this room that you've had to say it's all good. I know people in this room, you've gone through real horrible things, and you're here today because you chose to say, it's all good. You chose to say that I'm going to put myself in top, and I'm going to stay there. You didn't question it. You didn't circle it. You didn't commemorate it. You didn't build an idol to it. You didn't, you know, build an altar to your pain. You put it behind you, and you said, it's all good. Amen. All right, all right. So what do you do for all good? In, in the realm of it's all good, you know what? You forgive your brothers. They don't know any better. You bless it. You bless the people who mess with you. And you know what you do in a place all good? You just give thanks in all circumstances. Not for it, but you give thanks in it. You bring the presence of God into it. You go, well, that was a nasty day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, I got 17 nasty emails. That was awesome. I think everybody hates me. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I don't get that. Trust me, I don't. I actually get nice emails. But, you know, you ever had that? Where, and folks, sometimes when you go through factions, you got to make your faction function. So stay in it's all good. Don't get dragged into it. Don't get sucked into what the devil's trying to do. Don't join in the thing. So number four. Number four, well, Romans 8, 28, that's where it's all good, right? You got Bible for that? Go back to that one. Thanks. And we know. What do we know? We know. We know this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love and have been called according to his purpose, right? So that's the verse. That's my top verse. That's my all good verse. We know this. I know this. I know this. No matter what's going on, God is at work for good. So you can stand there and it's all good when you dwell in top. So number four, 
boom, the awesome comeback. So I love this. You know, you're always going to come back. You know, you're not just kind of, oh, well, I'll get over it. There's a comeback. There's restoration. That's why I said to Pastor Lowe, Pastor Lowe, don't frame your disappointment as the will of God. Insist that your disappointment manifests a preferred future. Insist on it. Insist that what happened in your life becomes a platform to you to do something greater. Well, I guess God didn't want me to be a failure, so he put me in a car accident and almost snuffed me out. Praise the Lord. I'm like, I just don't, I know, and I'm not, if that's how you want to frame it, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't believe that was God. He left in disgrace, he came back in honor. He left alone, he comes back with the elders. He left in rags, he comes back as a general. He left secretly, he comes back in a parade. He left as a nobody, he comes back as a commander. And that's what happens to you when you choose to reframe whatever you're going through with, it's all good. Is it that easy, Pastor? Yes, it is. Give me another slide because we're tracking. Make your function or make your faction function. You're a secret in God. You're a commander in waiting. Turn your rejection into promotion. Turn your rejection into promotion. I got one more verse. One more verse in Ephesians chapter 4. Work hard to live together as one by the help of the Holy Spirit. Then there will be peace. Work hard to live together as one because you are one. And you do have the help of the Holy Spirit. No matter what's going on in your life, you are not alone. And you are highly advantaged in every circumstance. And please, whatever's going on, speak to it. It's all good. Speak to it. In this situation, I know. What do you know? I know. I know that my God is at work in this situation for me. And what is he at work for? He's at work for good. So you know what? I can forgive everybody around me. I don't have to personalize the situation. I don't have to blame people in the midst of it. I can speak into that, that it's all good. And I know that that's going to become a platform for me to go in something bigger, something better, something wonderful, because I'm going to make sure that every time there's a faction, it functions in my favor, and it causes me to rise in the goodness of God. Amen. Come on, stand up with me and bow your heads, all right? Stand up first before you bow your head. All right. Hey, just bow your heads and close your eyes with me, all right? Jesus, what a good day. What a good day. It was worth losing that hour of sleep. What a good day. Isn't he faithful? He's faithful. He set you up today for something really, really good. And I just want all the believers praying. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, and just you're praying. You're praying, you're praying. We had people gave their heart to the Lord in the first service. I'm believing there's people here who need to accept Jesus as their Savior. Maybe you're here, you wandered in, and you know, you've never done that. You've never said, I accept you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior. I accept that you really did come to minister in and through me. You really did come to restore me to my rightful relationship with my Heavenly Father. So I know right now that you're my Redeemer, you're my Savior, and I accept you as that in my life. I embrace what you've done for me. If you've never done that, I want you to do it today. And just so you know, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And at three, would you put your hand up really high? It's just you. It's you alone right here. God's touching your heart right now. He says, come on home. Come on home. So listen, I'm going to count to three. You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high so I can see it. Thank you. 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 Wow. You can put your hands down now. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We love you. 
you put your hand up, I want you to pray with me, all right? So I want you to raise up your voice and pray. We're all going to pray too, so you raise up your voice, but listen and hear your own voice as we pray. Just pray these words with me. Are you ready? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love. I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my personal Savior. I thank you that right now I am forgiven, I am healed, and I am free. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Wowzers. Somebody might tap you before you go. You put your hand up. We, we just want to track with you. We want to make sure that it wasn't just a decision you made today, but what you did was you entered into the family. We're not asking you to join our church, but we just want to be sure that the fullness of what happened in your life, that miracle, the full reality of it is framed and shaped in your life. So, you know, don't be concerned if somebody taps you and says, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And please, if it's your first time here or you had your hand up for salvation, would you go over to the next side? You're going to love it. There's some really cool pops and, and uh, drinks and candies and healthy stuff too, I think. But I go for the candy and the pop. But it's called Next Steps, and we do it right next door. And we really would love just 20, 25 minutes just to talk with you, just to answer your questions, let you know a little bit more about who we are. And thank you so much for taking the time. On a day when you had a lost an hour of sleep, you came to be with us. Thank you so much. And we're, we're honored that you were our guest today. Love you so much. Can I pray for you all? Our, our prayer team is coming up right now. There's always prayer. Our ministry team at the front, if you need prayer, deaf ears are open, lives are touched, prophetic words that put you in a new realm, things happen. These folks are well gifted and able to help you, whatever the situation. So if you need something altered in your life, come to the altar and something will get altered and you'll be blessed. Amen. Can I bless you? Heavenly Father, your great love for us, God. We have felt your hands all around us today. We felt like a bear hug from the Father, and we're baptized in your faithfulness again. I pray, Lord, that that would be a living, breathing manifestation on each one, that your love would be manifest way beyond understanding, that they would just be saturated with your unfailing love. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you're the firstborn of many brethren. Thank you that you brought us into that place with you where we are seated together with you in heavenly places. Thank you for your great grace. Holy Spirit, thank you for your partnership. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you will never leave or forsake me. Thank you that you're my best friend. And thank you that you go with me to manifest every promise, every direction from the word of God. You're there to bring it into manifestation in my life. So I command your richest blessing of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit on each and every one here today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you.